is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman, along with Mike Simpson. President Biden has found a creative way to try to boost vaccination rates across the country. The president will mandate that companies with 100 workers or more to require their employees be vaccinated or tested weekly. That impacts as many as 100 million people. But can he do that legally? We'll ask a lawyer. We'll also get into whether companies can deny sick pay to unvaccinated workers who get sick with COVID. And how about going to the doctor and getting just one vaccine shot for COVID and the flu? It's probably coming. A U.S. senator's cancer diagnosis highlights how the pandemic has disrupted routine screenings meant to save lives. Let's start with President Biden's new vaccination plans. With us is Dr. Gigi Granville, immunologist and senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, and attorney Rachel Kahn, who specializes in labor law. Rachel, let's start with you. Can the president require vaccinations and weekly testing for large companies? Um, Well, he has certainly um, he has directed the Department of Labor and specifically uh, the Department of Occupational Safety and Health, OSHA, to draft an emergency rule on this. Um, And he has directed OSHA and the Department of Labor to do similar mandates when it comes to COVID before. Um, previously to update OSHA's guidance regarding COVID and as well as had directed them to issue a previously an emergency rule to healthcare, um, their emergency temporary standard that regarding COVID um, that applies to the healthcare industry. So this is certainly nothing new for the White House, but certainly a, a new leap um, and in the vaccination category. Is it a pretty big leap? Like, did you see it coming? Because it's kind of been talked about this way. You know, the federal government uh, doesn't have the power to mandate vaccines across the board. Maybe it's a state's rights kind of thing. But it could, some said, become this workplace safety issue. uh, And it looks like it has. You know, we've certainly seen OSHA start to creep towards that on its own already. Its previous guidance that it put out, um, it asked that employers facilitate vaccines for their employees and strongly recommended that employers um, have uh, programs that mandate vaccines. So we certainly saw OSHA go starting to go in that direction already. So, you know, it was certainly a surprise today, I think, to everyone, but Not as surprising when we look at what OSHA has already put out in its guidance. Dr. Granville, let's look at it from a medical point of view. I would imagine that anything that increases the numbers of people in this country who are vaccinated against COVID would be a good thing. On the other hand, uh, kind of mixing the medical (laughs) with the legal issues and political ones that I can see coming up with this, there's always the potential that this sort of thing could backfire and make some people and some businesses in some parts of the country uh, dig their heels in even more. So I I don't know. From a medical point of view, I guess the answer is it's good. It's absolutely good. It's so refreshing to see a White House that's willing to, um, you know, pull out all the stops and uh, so that to protect the public's health, because right now there's a lot of people in the United States who have gotten vaccinated and have taken that step. And that vaccination is helping to protect 
all those people who are under 12, for example, who can't get the vaccine yet. And um, the people who are unvaccinated, um, who are resisting the, the vaccine, um, and, I, and I know there are people who you know, still need to have more information about it, but they are causing the danger to the rest of the people who are vaccinated so, and who can't be vaccinated. So we, this is a very refreshing step, pulling out all the stops to make sure that, um, that pub, the public's health is, is protected. Rachel, back to to you on on these legal issues. If a company, uh, and I can imagine this is going to happen, says this is an overextension of presidential power, uh, I'm not going to uh, uh, mandate my workers vaccinate, uh, be vaccinated, and I'm not going to give them time off, which is my understanding would be part of this, by the way, that they would have to then be given if they don't get vaccinated, uh, time off at company expense to get weekly testing. Uh, What would be the ground? for a lawsuit? Um, That's a great question. And, you know, certainly we will likely see some of those and and it may come down to, you know, certain constitutional issues potentially. But, you know, there's a lot of risk to do that as well because this, you know, this law bakes into it a $14,000 penalty per violation um, for employers that don't comply with it. So, you know, I certainly would see some potential, you know, I I will see, I will likely see some potential lawsuits around it, but certainly non-compliance with it can have some very heavy risk and penalties. Do you think that also kind of pushes employers to just mandating this on their own, the, the, the fact that there could be penalties or the fact that now you're going to have to provide the time off, at least as we read it here, for people going and getting their tests? There could be companies saying, I'm not going to give you guys the time. Uh, you get your shots so we don't have to do this dance every week. Well, you know, I think it'll certainly depend on how many employees choose to test as opposed to vaccinate. Um, it can be a, a huge administrative and operational burden for an employer to give the time off for employees to go test, um, potentially having to pay for that testing. And of course, you know, you would have to stay on top of it as an employer, um, making sure that employees do it, uh, making sure that you're collecting that information, keeping it confidential because it's going to be medical information and how you're going to be appropriately storing that. So the testing component of it at that frequency is certainly going to have an additional operational burden for employers. So certainly I could see some employers taking the position that, you know what, just mandating it actually might be the easier um, route to go. Dr. Granville, can you think of other cases uh, with vaccinations where the government, other than healthcare workers, perhaps, where the government has required private businesses to have their employees vaccinated. I mean, schools have cer- certainly can, but that's usually done out of state mandates, right? Not not federal. Uh, can you think of any cases with vaccinations for federal? Um, so I, I can only think of um, the kinds of vaccination requirements that, for example, the Department of Defense has had. Um, and uh, certainly, you know, medical uh, professionals have to um, often have to be vaccinated, have a, a bunch of vaccinations to be able to practice um, or to have contact with patients. Um, but the but the uh, there, it's been uh, for, for quite a while that the U.S. government has had broad powers for public health and has chosen not to exercise them in this case. 
um, which is, you know, in going back the last few years. So it's really um, refreshing that we have one standard um, that employers have to adhere to um, instead of just trying to get some, some employers to do the right thing or to some hospital systems to do the right thing, that we um, have a, you know, one, one rule for, for everyone. How do you feel about the back and forth in, in some sectors about whether to provide that opt out for the testing, you know, the weekly test? Because you're not going to catch everybody with those all the time, especially, you know, you could you could come down with the virus a day after your test or two days and then you've still got the rest of the week to get through until your next one. Sure. Uh, testing is a moment in time. Um, and that's true of any kind of test for any any kind of disease. Um, so it's uh, that's true. But I, I also appreciate that um, for uh, for a lot of people, you don't want to force them to get something that they you know don't want. Um, just make it highly inconvenient for them to to um, to not get the vaccine. By the way, the vaccine is safe, effective and free and people really should want it because it will reduce your risks of death and long term illness if you um, get COVID and there's plenty of COVID around. So um, it's really in your best interest to get the vaccine. Dr. Gigi Granval, immunologist, senior scholar, Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Rachel Kahn, attorney in the Labor and Employment Group and member of the Occupational Safety and Health Practice at Nixon Peabody in San Francisco. Going to the doctor's office just once is hard enough for most people. Moderna has figured out that apparently uh, that's the case and so has announced a two-for-one deal, a combination of a COVID vaccine booster and flu shot. This comes as Pfizer says it's making progress on a COVID-killing pill. Dr. Michael Sag is an infectious disease physician and associate dean of global health at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Doctor, what kind of progress is Pfizer making on its pill? Well, they're starting up with a phase two, three study, which is the type of study that not only looks at safety, but real efficacy. Does this thing work? And so they started enrolling patients in that. And I suspect that'll roll along for about three, maybe four months because they've got to put about 1,100 people in the study. And if this ends up being uh, successful in the study, uh, this would be what? A Would this be a kind of next to vaccines, a kind of quantum leap in the treatment of COVID? Yeah, I would say I'm not sure I'd call it quantum leap, but it'd be an important step forward. Let's let's look at some of the details here. We know that when somebody gets infected with COVID, there's basically two phases of the infection. The first six days is what I would call the viremic phase, when the virus is replicating at a very high degree. And the second phase is the immune response phase, where people get sicker and end up in the ICU. So the idea here is to use this antiviral drug very early, before the virus can rev up, rev up or as it's revving up, and that drug will come in as an oral treatment, much like we use Tamiflu for influenza, this would be used early on in the viremic phase for COVID. That would depend on me getting to my doctor pretty early, though, to catch it. Exactly. So everyone should monitor for symptoms, assuming this drug gets approved. Uh, once you get some degree of symptoms, get tested right away. And if you test positive, then you get the, on that medicine as fast as you can. All right. Now let's talk about Moderna's uh, two for uh, one shot, uh, a COVID slash flu shot. Um, sounds like a good idea, is it? Yeah, I, th- I think, sure. Theoretically, it's a it's a really good idea because we're going to be needing flu shots every year. We know that. It may be that the COVID shot is required once a year as well. 
And so this would be, as you said, a twofer. Um, what I think is hidden in this messaging is that the coronavirus is going to be with us for a while. Uh, this is going to become some degree of a new normal. The best way we as individuals can fight it and deal with it is everyone to get vaccinated right now. If you're not vaccinated, you've been thinking about it, now's the time to do it because until we get a substantial number of people in our country vaccinated, the serious illness and the death tolls will continue to rise. If we get vaccinated, be it in the combo vaccine or just with the regular Moderna, Pfizer, whatever, uh, that's going to keep us safe and out of the hospital. And that's what we all need to do right now. So they change the flu vaccine every year for whatever flu is going around. Do we expect them then to tailor their coronavirus shot to whatever variant is out there each year? It's a great question. Um, that is very possible with an mRNA vaccine. It's very easy to do. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised if, let's say, three years from now, we're still dealing with this. We need boosters. Yeah, to me, it would make some sense to modify it just like we do the flu vaccine. We'll see how that all plays out. Now, I'm presuming that the Moderna uh, combo vaccine, the flu part would also be right messenger RNA, and there's never been an uh, mRNA flu vaccine. Uh, conventional flu vaccines, as you know, the success rate is, depending on the year, what, about 60% if you're lucky. Uh, would one suspect or expect that a messenger RNA flu vaccine would be much more effective? Uh, I would hope so, but we'd have to have the data to prove it. Your your point is spot on, that the best the flu vaccine works is maybe 50%, 60%. And it does keep people out of the hospital. You can get sick with the flu like we all have, uh, even having had a vaccine. But the difference is, coming back to the big picture, the full story, as we've been talking about it, let's say we get our COVID vaccine, we're protected. Despite that, we have a breakthrough infection down the road. Hopefully there'll be drugs like either the Pfizer product that we first started talking about or Merck has a product that's similar that they're working on. It's a little bit different. But um, if if we get those early treatments and vaccines, that'll be a pretty good uh, firewall against coronavirus into the future. I hope it all comes true. Dr. Michael Sag, infectious disease physician, associate dean, Global Health, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Coming up after a short break, lots of cancer cases might be missed because of the pandemic. Minnesota Democratic Senator Amy Globachar says she was diagnosed with breast cancer earlier this year. She did get successful treatment through surgery and radiation. But she admitted she skipped her annual breast cancer screening appointment last year during the heart of the pandemic. Dr. Nimi Kapoor is a breast surgical oncologist at Cedars-Sinai Cancer Center in L.A. Doctor, the senator isn't alone, is she, when it comes to skipping screenings? She's not alone. Thank you for having me and bringing this up. Um, it is a very important issue. We're seeing so many women were, were postponing or canceling their screening mammograms, but their cancer doesn't get postponed because of this pandemic. So then what happens? They come in and it's at more of an advanced stage because it wasn't caught early? It certainly can be. We're, we're probably going to see this data in the next couple of years, seeing a slight increase in the stage when cancer is showing up. So, yes, we definitely need to take care of ourselves, get those annual screening mammograms, despite what's going on in the rest of the world. Are you worried because, you know, sometimes all these stories do backfire? Are you worried that, that some women are now going to go, oh, well, you know, I missed it 
you know, the screening because of COVID. And I see what happened with uh, Senator Klobuchar. And now I'm, af- I'm really afraid to go in because I'm sure that that lump I'm feeling is cancerous. Oh, I, I sure hope not. I hope women are more proactive and thoughtful. Um, certainly there's there's all kinds of fears running through all of our minds these days, but um, really getting the screening is important. I hope women don't go too, too in the dark and try to avoid uh, their own health screening. And we know that the early screenings are so important because your door is open to, to way more options at that point if you do get something and you catch it very early. Oh, definitely. Look at Senator Klobuchar. She was able to maintain a less of a major surgery, ideally less uh, significant uh, treatment in the body um, because it was caught early enough. So if we find these things early, we start our screening mammograms at age 40 annually. Uh, we can really catch things before they become a major problem. Now, I know, of course, that your specialty is uh, breast cancer, but uh, this is an issue that cuts across uh, all, you know, genders, uh, different uh, diseases, right? Because people haven't been going in for colonoscopies. They haven't been going to dermatologists for skin checks, the whole thing. That's true. You know, the number one cancer is going to be skin cancer. So getting that skin check is important for women. After that, it's breast cancer. And for men, we're looking at colon and prostate cancer. Um, none of these cancers are stopped by a pandemic being a, being a present. So we really got to remember to take a look and take care of ourselves. Do you think it was just a simple idea? Like, I don't want to go anywhere medical when, when COVID was, was crazy and we weren't having anybody vaccinated. But now it's like, okay, you guys have your vaccines. Maybe the patient has theirs. We're doing masks anyway. So that excuse is kind of gone at this point. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it was so scary. We didn't know what was going on. I mean, I'll admit, as a, as a surgeon, I, I was concerned about going into a hospital, coming to work. Definitely a lot of that fear is alleviated with vaccination and the proper masking protocols. And if women are concerned, they can always check the imaging facility or their screening center to see what what are you doing for COVID precautions. And most of them will have really clear um, protocols in place now. So it's much safer. How many cases are you seeing a a uh, sort of a rash of cases of women who did not go for checkups and are now being diagnosed with breast cancer? I, you know, there was a, a three month lull when we were even told not to do any screening because it was just screening in the very beginning back in March 2020. That's when we kind of slowed, slowed down and kind of closed things to routine screening. And after that, it's just been nonstop Um People keep coming in. Cancers keep getting found. Um, it's it's definitely been a lot of pressure on all of us. All right. Make your appointments, Dr. Nimi Kapoor, breast surgical oncologist, uh, Cedars-Sinai Cancer Center. Thanks so much. Remember those state vaccine lotteries and plans to give people free beer and gift cards? So have they worked out to get more shots into arms? A University of Pennsylvania study says not really. It finds statewide vaccination incentive programs do nothing to boost vaccination rates. The study compared daily vaccination rates in 24 states with reward programs in June to vaccination rates in the 26 states without incentive programs and found No effect. One of the study's authors says the findings are disappointing, but it doesn't mean incentives don't have any kind of impact. He says incentives from employers and maybe local cities would probably work better. You can find this Odyssey original podcast and others on odyssey.com and the odyssey.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And be sure to hit the subscribe button. 